Love the sound in the background. That's so cool. That is so cool. So, Sebastian, we also just like to have fun with this. So, there's a lot of joking around. I'm fun with that. Dave can be a jerk once in a while, just yeah, so you know. It, it may get uncomfortable between the two of us. But, but all right. Yeah. Just look away. No. That's right. So, <laughs> he's Krat. I'm Big Fucking Baby. Yeah. He's, he's Eltoon, and he's due. All right. So. I'm really not a big fucking baby, but that's just what Dave calls me. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Bourbon Boys, the podcast where guys get together to talk about bourbon, about life, lore, libation, and everything that comes with being a dad. We aren't bourbon snobs, just a group of guys who like bourbon for what it is and how it tastes. It's pretty simple. This is podcast number 20. I'm Derek, your host, and with me are my bourbon boys. We got Altoon. Hello, hello. Kurtron. Hey there. Krat. Hey, guys. And we have a special guest, master distiller uh, from Southern Grace, Sebastian Correa. How's it going? All right. Oh, cool. Glad to be here. Yeah. And uh, we, are, we are actually, we're on location at Southern Grace, the whiskey prison, and uh, we're about to sample uh, some conviction straight from the source. Uh, so this is our second episode of our second segment on Staring Down the Barrel, where we talk to a uh, craft distiller and find out what it takes to produce some great bourbon. So we're going to go through uh, life, lore, and libation, and we're going to sample some conviction after each one of them. We hope. This yeah. is going to be great. <laughs> Hopefully we don't get locked up in one of these places <laughs> aren't able to go home. Well, I don't know. This would be a good place to get yeah, locked up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And right now we are in the tasting room that is uh, housing about 700 barrels of uh, conviction, and we are in an old uh, dorm. Well, like it's, it's an old dorm from a prison from the 1920s that is now the, uh, the rickhouse for some really good local bourbon. I told Sebastian when we were on the tour that I guarantee you this place smells a lot better now than it did. <laughs> yeah. No, none of these buildings had air conditioning before. So oh yeah, just oh, think about that. For, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I don't want to think about that. Just a, a nice kind of hanging bourbon smell in this building. Yeah, it's really yes. wonderful. Wooden bourbon. Yeah. yeah, wooden bourbon. I like it. All right, uh, we're in Mount Pleasant, North Carolina. Yeah, we are. And uh, like Kratz said, I bet this smells a whole lot better in August than it did <laughs> yeah. when it was full of, you know, 100 prisoners. But yeah. um, so we're excited. And Sebastian, thanks for having us here. This is this has been a long time coming. We took a tour a couple months ago uh, on a weekend and um, learned a lot. Great space, even better bourbon. And um, thanks for having us. Uh, I know that yesterday was a pretty big day for you guys. Yeah. Uh, well, at least it started Thursday. The storm kind of stopped that but uh we released our second uh batch of uh conviction double oak and that's actually what i have for y'all to taste today that's awesome all right kurtron shall we kick it off let's do it all right sebastian we're gonna talk a little bit about life we're gonna get serious now okay (laughs) (laughs) so um you know the four of us go back several years uh we all work together at the same place at one point in time and um so i guess tell us just a little bit about your background and how you came to bourbon so if you want to go back to the beginning, at least for me, uh, I'm originally from New York City. Okay. Uh, moved My family moved us down to uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, 2006 or so. Spent some time there. Um, 
actually went to then moved to Boone to go to Appalachian State, and that's sort of where my uh, my um, liquor journey started because that's where I. Am. <laughs> I think that's where it started for most of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, but that's where I actually started to learn about making it. I uh, majored in fermentation science and chemistry. That's so cool. Um, yeah, it's a pretty unique major. Um, I always like science. Chemistry is always my favorite. And then when you throw in, you know, making booze, uh, it sounds like the dream. Um, oh. So um, started. You know, you start making beer, you know, wine, and lick, you, at the end, you make a little bit of liquor um, with, you know, a bunch of other stuff. They have a great program there, really teach you from the basics all the way up, you know, to getting more advanced. And by the end of it, you're tasting stuff, being able to pick out different aromas, flavors, you know. So I think that really helped me at least a lot, being able to come, then come into being a distiller here. Um, after that, I moved, I moved down to Charlotte. Um, I got a job here as an assistant distiller, actually, first at Southern Grace. And at the beginning, at least, my plan was I needed a job, had bills to pay, you know, student loans, all that, just life just sort of, you know, coming at you. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll stick here for a couple months, whatever. I thought I'd be making wine. Um, I have a lot of family history making wine, South American, all that. Um, so I was just like, let me just get something until the wine season comes in. But here I am four and a half years later, kind of just fell in love with the the craft of you know making whiskey, um, there's a lot more control when you're making a spirit because you're standing in front, you know in front of the still you're making your cuts you get to really choose the flavor profile that you want you know at least in your white dog, and that really shapes the flavor of your bourbon at the end of the aging process. So that's cool. Um, now, yep, and like I say, here I am still. So so I got to ask, I'm, I'm guessing Conviction was not your first bourbon experience. No. Um, so we like to ask, like, what was your first bourbon experience? And so what brand was it? And was it Love at First Taste or was it what the hell? Uh, my first bourbon experience, and I still remember it, it's just that how it was. It was uh, Evan Williams Green Label. Ah. Um, and me and Evan were, were really good friends in college until one <laughs> night when we weren't. <laughs> Um, and it's only that green label. I mean, I, I don't mind the white label now and then. It's always that's always on my you know bottom shelf there. It's a good mixer, good just to use for whatever. But uh, as soon as I see that green label, it's just bad bad memories. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I think we all have a moment that's, like that. That's that's hilarious. Um, so this is so you've been here four years. Yeah. And um, so two questions regarding back to family. So. Mm-hmm. One, what did your family think when you're like, I'm going to go be a distiller at a bourbon distillery? And then two, I'm curious about the wine thing, not to spend a lot of time there, but you've referenced that a couple of times where your family has a history of of actually making wine. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about the, those two things. Uh, so on the, the history of the winemaking, my, my family is from uh, Uruguay in South America, a small little country nestled between Brazil and Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, my great grandfather, my grandfather—they're all you know winemakers, uh, not for any you know big sort of company or anything. Just wine that they make and sell to the neighbors, family, people. You know, it's, you know some little you know shops and all that. Um, and even now, I mean, I, every once in a while, I'll get together with an uncle or two and we make wine at home, just yeah. based on whatever. Whenever we can get grapes and all that, we just kind of like to experiment. And it's just good to have something that we made, you know, to sort of have at family gatherings and all that. Um, so, and what was the other one? 
The, what did your family think when oh, you said, that. "Okay, I'm I'm done with Boone. I'm done with Boone, and now I'm gonna go make booze"? Because uh, I, I think they were just glad I was doing something and not just, uh, you know, I was like, "Oh, he can actually get a job doing that." Okay, he's not just you know sitting at home drinking from sun up to sundown. It's it's actually like seems like it's leading somewhere. And I think I think they made you know, and I saw it too. That sort of saw like how the whole brewing industry went up with the craft brews and everything um and this was back i mean this was 2016 so i it seemed like that was going strong and it wasn't slowing down any and so it's just like okay it, it seems like a solid future for him and you know whether they like it or understand it or not there's just like i think they were just happy that i was doing something that i loved yeah, yeah. so, so question for you on that with the family so family gatherings obviously you talked about wine with your uncle and all that yeah so do you now show up with bourbon and oh, of are course they, are you getting them there are they, are they, are they <laughs> yeah enjoying it? of course i think i've gotten a few of them to have at least like a nightcap every once in a while right, so right. baby steps yes yeah, just slow start yeah <laughs> so so sebastian does your mom ever call you and say you know i just had a sip of this and i think you need to add a little bit more corn <laughs> No, she she, she just I tell her that it's good and what to taste it is, and she just kind of nods and agrees. And she's like, okay. oh, "That's what I'll tell my friends when I give it." Because <laughs> yeah, my mom would be like, "You know, I think you probably should add a little bit more of this." <laughs> so I'm 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 gonna guess at the answer at this one, but um, I'll let you give it to us. Uh, so, do you see this as a long tier a long term career thing for you? Uh, I think so at the moment. I mean, we're. Uh, as far as a bourbon company, we're really young in the game. You know, we've been aging for it'll be four years now mm -hmm. in January. Um, and just the reception we've been getting out of conviction and all that so far, uh, it's been all positive. So I'm obviously doing something right. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, not sure. me thinking that it's good. It's a lot of other people. So I, at this point in time, I don't see myself changing careers anytime soon. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. great. That's great. Well, I think what we'll do is we're going to break down. We got three things we're going to taste today. Yep. So um, why don't we take a shot at the first one? Okay. And um, while you're doing that, or we'll get the glasses out and, yep. and get something open and we'll go from there. So what I think is so cool about this is that, you know, and I think this is great. Like if there's any younger people listening to our podcast, yeah, which no, there are. There are. There's a couple. There's a couple. I know there's a couple. Do you just want to name them? No, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to call anybody out because that's embarrassing. But... Even at our age, right? I think what's so cool about this is that as Sebastian went into school, he never thought about actually being a master distiller for a craft distillery in Charlotte, North Carolina, or Mount Pleasant, North Carolina, right? And it's like, I think it's just so cool how a little, like an interest in something like science, chemistry, can take you into something really kind of unique and cool like this, right? And I think we've all maybe had those opportunities in our own careers, right? I built a museum, right? I never came out of school thinking I was going to build a museum. So I think it's, uh, I, I just think that's really interesting. I think it's really cool. And I think that, you know, one of the things we've talked about is our kids in college and the life lessons we're trying to get them to hear. And I think this is an example of that is, you know, don't be afraid to try something different and do something you enjoy and the doors will open up. Because, I mean, it sounds like, Sebastian, you know, it wasn't what you maybe had set your sights yeah. on. You got an opportunity. You got in here. You started having an impact. And now, I mean, it sounds like you're all in. So, mm -hmm. yeah. that, you know, don't, don't be afraid to give things a try, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think, uh, especially when you're young, you kind of just have a short-term, you know, sight on where things are going. And it, I don't think you really get to see the long term until way later and you've been in it for yeah. a while or even after it's happened and you look back on everything. So yeah. uh, that's yeah. definitely how I think I've learned at least in the past four years is just like just 
go with it, you know, day to day and just, you know, when an opportunity comes, just take it and see what happens with it. Yeah, I think the other cool thing, too, is kind of not, not... trying not to fight your, your your genetics and tradition. And so, you know, the fact that your family was into making wine, it feels like a natural extension for you to then go down a path like this. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is that tendency to think about careers and where you want to go. And, you know, well, my family was doing this, but I want to do something different. Yeah. Maybe you do. Maybe it's just kind of a natural thing that, uh, that you, you know, it's okay to kind of follow those things. Yeah, so. yeah I think so. And I think so. And one last comment, because I see we got pores <laughs> sitting there yeah, and I'm sure we're all, and we're all salivating <laughs> over getting ready to taste that. But yeah. I think the, the other thing with, with what you're saying, Dave and, and Elton is, is also try not to define it too much, right? Yeah, it's like, exactly. These kids go into school and they're like, I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, I think it's really great, like, just having that openness and, like, falling into something like this. So, all right, guys. It smells wonderful. So, Sebastian, tell us what yeah. we're tasting. Yeah. All right. So, um, this is one of the barrels for our double, uh, double oak. Um, this batch, we had nine barrels. Um, two of them we decided weren't ready yet, so we put those two away. Um, and then we sort of went through the, the seven that we had left and we found two barrels that we liked that we wanted to stand as single barrels. So this is the first one. This is actually the, the Southern Grace Distilleries, the gift shop staff pick. Um, it's barrel 867. It's uh, two years and uh, about two months. And for those who don't know, the double oak just means it spends half the time aging in one brand new mm. barrel and then another, you know, the other half in another barrel. So this has about a year in one barrel and another year in a different barrel. Um, and this one here, let's see, this is just at just under 98 proof. So we are, okay. it all still is cast strength, just like yeah. normal conviction. Okay. Um, so. so I've already tasted, so you guys go ahead. Okay. So I have a bottle of this sitting in my, my bar cabinet. And um, it's become one of my favorites right now. And this tastes really good. So I think it's got a great um, hit on the palate for me anyway. I do taste a lot of vanilla Mm -hmm. um, where it's got a little bit of sweetness. Maybe it's not vanilla. So again, we're not experts here. So we just make, like he tastes Parmesan cheese all the time. So (laughs) well, there are days where Kurt thinks he's an expert, but that's another, that's another really not. But I, what I love about this bourbon is how it just lingers on your palate, and also it's really warm uh, with the finish. Uh, so I, it's delicious. Yeah. yeah, walk 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 us through what we should be smelling and tasting. So yeah, on this one, to me at least, um, the smell at least of what I've picked up is always just a, sort of like a fruit, maybe more like mm-hmm. a. It's not apple. I think the closest I can come up with word wise is stewed apple or something mm-hmm. like that, like okay. something you know cooked. Apple, like a hot applesauce. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> you know, a lot of the tasting is uh, you trying hot to applesauce. Yeah, trying to figure out what word to use. To yeah, right. yeah. So exactly. If how applesauce works for you, then that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let him go. Yeah. I said um, we're not experts. Yeah. <laughs> Confirmed. And then what I do like about this on the mouthfeel is it, the viscosity of it. Yep. It has a really good mouthfeel. Yeah. The first time I tasted it, it, almost reminded me of just like a Caribbean rum or something yeah. just on it. Yeah. Um, but it, it's got some hints of tobacco on the on the palate. Yep. It is sweet. Um, like I think our normal conviction is a honey sweet level. Mm, this okay. is a tad higher than that. A tad a little sweeter, but it's yep. not an overwhelmingly powerful sweet. So, so I noticed you're spinning your glass around. Yeah. So, is that pretty typical? Is that something? Do you do that to open up the flavor a little bit? Yeah, or? just aerating okay. it. Um, okay. Oxygen, 
you need oxygen. It kind of just helps the nose, especially. Okay. Um, too much oxygen, obviously, and you're sort of oxidizing your your bourbon and all. But I mean, we're probably going to finish this here in the next couple minutes, so <laughs> yeah. I'm not too worried about it <laughs> tasting bad or anything. So. Yeah, our, our bourbon never oxidizes. Yeah, no, no. It never does. <laughs> so I have to, I have to ask: Are you, are you typically a neat drinker, or are you on ice? When I first taste something, I always taste it neat. Okay. I just think that's, you know, it's neat. That's how the distillery will present, wants yeah. to present the bottle, their product out to the public. So try it neat. Because you know they did that for a reason. Whether it's good or bad, that's you know your own personal decision. Decision. Yeah. Um, but I do enjoy a little bit of ice in there, a little bit of water. Um, if I'm tasting something new, I'll do neat, and then what, actually what I'll do is do a drop or two of water. Yeah, just to release a little mm-hmm. bit of that. Yeah, because uh, actually the the compounds in any liquor, not just whiskey or bourbon, they're all water soluble. So the more water you have, the more those compounds come out, and mm. some of them you might not even taste neat. But once you add a drop or two of water. You taste something different. So, so drinking bourbon with a cube is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Okay, did you hear that, Crat? <laughs> <laughs> he gives me crap all the time for putting a cube in my bourbon. He's like, "You're not a real man." I'm like, mm. it, it's 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 not the cube. It's the the fact that you let it sit there for like 45 minutes until it's like just all watered down. That's yeah. not true. <laughs> I passed on. out twice now the last two summers because of too many of these things. I don't yeah. think I'm taking my time drinking it. Have you tried like a teething <laughs> ring instead of a cube? Like, Ooh, that's a good See idea. See what I mean? Maybe we should get a, this is, a this is the bullshit I deal with every single time. But I was really ring. happy to hear that your your co-founder, um, and I can't remember his name now. Thomas. 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 Yeah. He drinks his on a cube of ice, and I was very happy to hear that. Yes, he does. Uh, he, he's the same with me. Just try it neat first, and then... Normally, but normally he'll have a cube of ice on there, and he likes the big ice cubes, yeah, the big one. So slowly, like Kurt, yeah, slowly melts instead of just <laughs> melting immediately. Okay, I like this. This is a really nice bourbon. This is I, really good. It, I mean, I know you. We've ha- we did it in one of our our earlier podcasts, yeah. and yeah. you brought it, and yeah. I immediately went out and got a bottle because I just really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I do take full credit for bringing conviction <laughs> to the Bourbon Boys. So just. For what it's worth. Well, thank you. Yeah, there you go. I don't do very much good. That I'll take. We did. Uh, we did one of our podcasts was all around the idea of um, conviction, larceny. Or no, it was larceny, conviction, and redemption. So larceny redemption. was the crime. Conviction was the conviction. Yeah, and redemption. Episode eighteen. Episode eighteen, and redemption was like being redeemed. So it was like we try to pull a theme in all the time. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't always work, but you know. Well, that's so. a pretty common one. Most of you. Find us out in the bars and stuff. We'll be on a flight, and it'd be some similar combination of bourbons like that. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. So, um, well, thanks for that. Anything else you want to share about your life with us? <laughs> What's, we, I don't. Did we, did we talk about the mash bill? We well, that's this? that's coming up though. Oh, okay. so you're I'm getting. Sorry. At, we're sorry. talking life right now, man. <laughs> when we get to your section, libation, you can ask all you want about the mash bill, or. Mm-hmm. Because the mash bill is fairly similar on all of these, is it not? Uh, it's, uh, we use one mash bill for okay. all our products. Okay. Yeah. So obviously these guys didn't do their homework because <laughs> they don't know what's yeah, being asked when. They attention in the To me, libation would be where the mash bill comes up. But if we want to talk about it now, I'm perfectly no, fine with that. No, no let's go. Don't steal my thunder. Over to Kratt. All right, I'm going to pass it over to Kratt. Very sorry, Sebastian. I'm taking my last <laughs> um, sip here. And um, we're going to dive into a little bit of the lore. Okay. So, 
for those of you that have not been here, I highly recommend coming out. Uh, Kurt and I did a quick tour with Sebastian this morning, and as far as lore goes, tradition, this place is steeped with story, um, and it's just a really cool, cool place to check out. And the still, I will say, is nothing like I've seen before. Um, as yeah. a native North Carolinian, cool. um, there was lots of references, and I'll, I'll let Sebastian talk about it, but... Uh, um, very, very cool still in terms of the locality and um, the fact that we're in North Carolina. So tell us a little bit about the process, a little bit of the history of the equipment in there, because again, yeah. I do think the fact that um, we're in North Carolina, you guys are doing something pretty unique. Yeah. So you got to start with the process. I guess we'll, we'll talk about the mash now. Uh, mash bill, we are 88% corn, 12% malted barley. So no wheat, no rye, which is different for bourbons. Um, until now, at least, I haven't found any other bourbon that follows a similar sort of, you know, mashed recipe. Um, and I think it it being different and, you know, it being so high in corn really contributes a lot to the, the taste of the, the final product. Um, all our grains are local, North Carolina sourced. Our corn actually comes just from four miles down the road from here, still Mount Pleasant. Um, and the barley's all North Carolina-grown barley, which is a great thing because... Um, for a long time, all the barley you can get grown in North Carolina was all suited for beer. Yeah. Um, and so you have just a lot of flavored stuff, you know, super malted, all this that just doesn't really contribute anything to, to whiskey and makes it more expensive. And it's just like, we don't need that. So it's a good, it's sort of a good way, at least the agricultural, you know, part of the state's starting to see that, you know, distilleries are a way for, you know, to make income. Yep. Um, so we, once we... Uh, that's the mash bill. We fermentation. We're also a little slower on that compared to other distilleries, especially the bigger guys. We like to let ours sit minimum a week, you know, seven, ten days. Um, we ferment on the grain, um, which is pretty, you know, common in this in the industry. But uh, we feel that it staying sitting longer on the grain, even after it's done fermenting, really helps release some of the flavors of the corn. Um, once, you know, once those seven, ten days are over, we put them into our stills. Like you were saying, our stills, they're Design. We designed them here, sort of based off an old moonshine stills from the mountains of North Carolina. One of our founders, he lived up there for a while and learned how to make moonshine. Um, so essentially, we just took their design, made a few tweaks of it to make it legal. Um, <laughs> That's always important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're learning. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, and just sort of you know had local companies build it. Also, actually, the company that done all the stainless steel work, they actually make parts for NASCAR. Um, and the funny thing is, if you ask them whether they make stills, they don't. They make uh, pots. Yes, <laughs> they make pots. pots. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, don't. They're learning too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Lots of learning happening. Um, but those still, we, I mean, we, we designed them. It, first off, it's, you know, at a financial point, it's less, you know, expensive to have these sure. stills, you know, made the way they are, made locally, have us design them. And at the end of the day, they produce just as good of a you know quality and you know volume of spirit as something you can go out and buy for like a quarter million dollars. Um, and it just looks—I mean, it just looks a lot cooler. They're, they're yeah. badass looking. That copper no, on there—they're awesome. Yeah. They're awesome. Well, and just the, in the history alone of just some of that copper and where it's been and what it's produced over its life, and yeah. for it to all be in North Carolina and anchored in you know, that that history mm -hmm. of NASCAR and you know NASCAR started from running moonshine out of the trunks of these cars up in yep. the mountains and exactly. You know, it's it's very cool that you guys are tying it back yeah. to North Carolina. Yeah. So. Um, Talk, talk to us a little bit about, you know, from a craft distiller world, do you guys, as master distillers, do you guys talk? Do you all compare notes? Do you consult with each other? Um, for the, 
if I do most of that, I, I contact with, you know, communicate with some of the other distilleries here, at least in North Carolina. Yep. Um, you know, us being sort of the, the small fish in the, in this industry, you know, we have to stick together with it. Uh, it's not even, you know, competition or anything. It's just, it's us and versus, you know, the big guys and also the, you know, the federal and state agencies that control us, which can sometimes be oh, yeah. a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, just depends on, you know, where you are, and what the issue is. Um, any other from you know, sort of, I talk to people, other people in the industry, um, sort of read what they write. Um, a lot of the larger companies, they do have published a lot of just studies, and, you know, things that they pay for scientists to come in and look at their aging process or what they could do different. And that sort of helps, you know, if we see something that seems interesting that we could easily do, we'll give it a shot. Um, if we think that, you know, doing that will benefit us at the end. Great. Okay. And then, Sebastian, I, I think it would, we'd be remiss not to talk about this facility. Yeah. Um, and so there's obviously, you know, lots of uh, allure if you, if you think about what this place used to be. Are, are there any um, ghosts? Con convict ghosts <laughs> that, are, that are sipping bourbon at night? Uh, so that I, we've had employees who've quit because of stuff they've seen and heard. Wow. Um, yeah, this, um, this actually in this Ooh. building, yeah, this building we're in here is probably the one that I, I don't like being here late at night. Uh, <laughs> this is built in 1929. It seems some stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's so cool. Um, our other, our main manufacturing building is 1987 was when it was built. Um, and that one's got its own sort of creepy stuff. We, we've been told and again, not sure how accurate or not, but they're in one of those solitary cells in the main one that a person had hung himself in there. Wow. And that part of the building is just creepy. I mean, they're single cells with the one window. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of creepy. Anything that really happened to me, I'm, I'm used to it by now. I've been yeah. here four years. Nothing's hurt me. <laughs> I'm just trying to do my job and go home at the end of the day. <laughs> I know. So you like run into one of these things. You're like drink. You yeah, drink? <laughs> yeah they, they, I'm sure they like that we're making you know legal booze here because that they've yeah. you know pretty much stayed away. But we have had people that just. Especially when we did night shifts, we've had one person just leave in the middle of the night and we never heard from them again. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They haven't even come pick up their last paycheck or anything, so they want nothing to do with us. So. Oh my God, that's it cool. Is, and again, anybody that's not been here, I definitely would recommend y'all check it out. It's, it's a cool, cool facility. And, and again, the smells, it's one thing to drink bourbon, but it's another thing to see bourbon go through the process and the different smells and things that you learn throughout yeah. it. But, yeah. I, I think Sebastian, the, uh, as, as we were talking about earlier, the four of us have worked together um, for several years over the years, and this whole project for us came out of just kind of wanting to reconnect and talk about things that were important in our lives. And so, bourbon is really kind of the glue that holds us mm -hmm. together. I thought you were going to say that's what's important in our lives. <laughs> the bourbon, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. Come on, Kurt. Um, but but it, it is. I mean, it's something that has really kind of kept us connected. You know, as we think about changes in our careers and challenges with families and things like that. So at the highest level, what, what does bourbon mean to you? Well, to me at least, bourbon is it's kind of similar to what you guys say. It brings you together, brings people together, um, not just, you know, group of friends or anything, but here just with all the other employees, it's kind of nice at the end of the day, you know, just let's sit around and, you know, our gift shop and, you know, have a cocktail or, yeah. you know, let me pull a sample out of this barrel that we think tastes really good and let's talk about it and see what it is. Um, it, it, it is just a way to get people together and, you know, being able to have an honest, open talk discussion about yeah. just 
you know, anything, anything in life, you know, work, you know, whatever's going on at home, you know, whatever else is going on in the world. So yeah. I, it, it's just a, it's just a good way to just sort of slow down the day, sure. slow down life, and uh, well, you know, just take everything in perspective. It's got to be super cool. I mean, we'll sit down and and, and take a, a glass of bourbon and drink it and talk about it. But you guys are taking glasses of bourbon and drinking and talking about it and taking pride in it because it's something you guys did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's just crazy cool. So, so talking about tasting bourbon, I think we're ready for our second. Taste. All right. Yes. Yeah, I think the as you're doing that, I think you know, for me, bourbon. I, so I worked for Harley Davidson for 15 years, and it's funny because like you're, I went to Harley. And I said I'm going to do this for like a year or so, and just get get it on my resume and move on. Spent 15 years there, but I think I think bourbon is similar to the Harley motorcycle in that it is a unifier. It doesn't matter where you come from. Yep. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. If you don't do anything for a living. Um, but it's just something that like you come around the table with and nobody really cares about all that other stuff. Um, and that's what I love about it. Right. And it's a great way also to engage with others. Maybe you don't know as well um, to just kind of connect. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. hundred percent. So, so one thing, uh, Sebastian, after you finish those pours, uh, talk a little bit about, I mean, talk about the lore of this place. Um, one thing that's really cool and creative with you guys and you, you shared on the tour is, you know, you've got a, you got a small hot house out back. Oh where, yeah. Or was the isolation. House, yeah. You talked about some of the other place. Talk about how you're kind of leveraging that to, to push some different flavors and, and that'll pull through the brand and the, what, what customers will see on the shelf. Yeah. So, uh, there are, there's about, I think there's about 13 buildings in total on this property. Um, and obviously the biggest ones, you know, we have production. This one we're in here now is main barrel storage. But, you know, we're running out of room in this room here as it is. So what we've been doing is we just kind of find other buildings, gut them, clear them out, and start shoving barrels in there. Um, but you have to think about how you're going to get them out, yeah, Sebastian. Yeah. So, well, the, the good thing about it is you could put it in there. You got two, four years to think about how you're going to get it out. Um <laughs> So we just kind of push it back for you know another day, and we'll we'll figure it out then. Um, but the the hot box that you were talking about there, that that one's got a lot of interesting North Carolina history. So before prisoners' rights reforms, um, if you you know misbehaved and you know or you you pissed off a prison guard or something, they'd stick you in in there. Um, usually during the summer months, um, and there used to be two wood burning stoves in there. And they just throw some wood on those stoves and leave you in there. Is that for those cold August nights? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when it's 89. <laughs> um, so obviously once those became outlawed, the, you were supposed to tear them down, but there's actually two left standing the whole state, and one of them is here. Really? Um, the only reason this one's here is because it got turned into a storage shed for the rec yard. Um, so it's, it's right next to the basketball court and everything. They just were like, we'll use it as storage and just keep it here. Um, and so, yeah, we, we've done one release of our, we called it solitary last time. Um, it's awesome. It's got a, it definitely a very different flavor profile. I mean that it is just concrete. That whole building is just made out of concrete yeah. and brick. So it really retains its heat. Yeah. Um, and that, that clearly has an effect on oh, yeah. the liquor and then on the bourbon yeah. just because yeah. of the taste, the differences in taste profile between that, that stuff from there and the stuff in this building. That's very cool. And you said this prison was open until 2011. Yeah, December 2011 That's when it crazy. shut down. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Derek. Now, what did the uh, describe the taste profile difference when it's got that much heat on it for so long? 
so for what I picked up is first off a lot sweeter, more you're looking more of a caramel sweet. Um, no pepper, no pepper at all throughout the taste profile, huh. which is pretty interesting because we get a lot of pepper. I think it's from our wood, because um, that's sort of a typical you know attribute you find in conviction. Um, but that one just was completely sweet, uh, sort of a nice build up to the mid palate and a nice long finish. Um, just you think caramel maple syrup sort of you know and just a little bit of baking notes there sort of in the mid palate so really good good release i'm looking forward to that one mm. i was gonna say what's the so that was solitary yeah are we gonna have a solitary too or what what, uh, what we, can we look for we haven't really decided yet what we're gonna call it um like i said you kind of put stuff away then you, <laughs> you say well, we got some time to think about it look this is probably something more pressing another pressing issue to deal with um so we don't know we haven't sat down and Throwing ideas around, yeah, that'll probably be another late, you know, late at night sort of confinement. Yeah, yeah. confinement, yeah. <laughs> isolation. So um, don't get the marketer started, Sebastian. Yeah, right, we'll exactly. Right so yeah. um, we'll give you all kinds of ideas when you when you are ready to face that challenge of how to get those barrels out of there. I know four guys that can come help. So, um, well, happy, I'll say right you know. now, if you can come here and lift a full barrel just by yourself, you you got no, a job. No, no, we're not doing that. No, we're, we'll we'll just drink them out. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Bring a straw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us, tell us a little bit about what we've got in front of us now. Uh, so this is a, the other of our single barrels uh, version of the Double Oak for the winter 2020. Okay. Uh, this is actually the one I picked out. So this is a distiller's oh. pick. Um, this one is a little bit older. We're looking about two years, eight months. Um, a little higher proof, 99 and a half. All I know is when I tasted this one, I knew we were not no one else is going to get their hands on this barrel. I'm like, gotcha. I'm putting, slapping my sticker on it. We're not blending it. We're not doing anything with it. I just there love the way it tastes. Um, good. Mm. It's very it's good. A, it's got, uh, it's not kind of like you talked about the viscosity before that comes through. But this has like more, like another layer of flavor up, up front, mm -hmm. in front of the palate. I'm trying to think it's, you, I taste the a little more pepper with this, yeah. a little more flavor. But there's a little more complexity that goes with that sweetness we talked about on the previous yeah, to me, what it, what really drew me to this, and I still taste it now. I've been tasting it for a week. Um, it it tastes like ripe bananas, like ripe banana bread, yeah. with like a nut nuttiness in it. Yeah. Um, and I don't. And other people have said that too, so I know I'm not going crazy or anything. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I, I got you on that one. Yeah. I for me the on the nose, I can definitely feel a little bit more of the like I get a little bit of hit on the nose. Yeah. Where the other one was just kind of a nice, soft like. Just smell to the yep. nose, and this one definitely has a little bit of—I don't want to call it a burn, but I feel it a little bit more up in the in the nose. Yeah, I think it definitely has more alcohol in the nose there. Yeah. I think that's what you're picking up. Um, but it—it's—I like it though that that doesn't really translate to the flavor. No. It doesn't burn like no, you know, not at all. You're drinking not something at all. really high proof. Right so now. what is what is the char level on your barrels? Uh, currently, we use all our barrels are uh, level three. Three. There's a okay. few that are four, um, <clears throat> and we're considering changing to a four later on. Okay. I see you've got a stave behind you. Uh, yeah, we've got a couple staves yeah. here. Um, this is not from one of our barrels, but it's always kind of a good one. We do tastings here. A lot of people have never seen the inside of a barrel. You know, you, you talk about char or anything. Yeah. So it's always a good sort of visual tool for people to see. Yeah. See and sort of see the liquor line, like where the liquor, yep. you know, oh, goes into cool. the wood, how far it goes. Um, so what is the char on that that, that stave one, there? That one I believe is a four. It looks like a four just okay. by looking at it. Yep. And um, remind me, what is the highest level of char that you can do on a barrel? 
Or is there a limit? Well, it used to be like four or five, but there's people claiming they do up to a 10 now. So, wow. Okay. Um, I think I've toured a few of Cooperage or two recently, you know, last couple of months. Um, a lot of these Cooperages are starting to sort of evolve, get more technology. So I think the, you know, what they can do is starting to change and the, the options being given to distilleries is starting to, you know, open up a little bit. So like, you know, a lot of, a lot of these new Coopers now are allowing you to toast your barrel and then char it. Um, which is something we're sort of look, sort of looking at whether that's a direction we want to go. Um, and again, like the, I said, it used to be level five char would be your max, but I've seen places offer 10 and I, I don't even know what a 10 looks like. That must be, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, a couple of inches of just, it's like, it's like alligator skin. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. So, wow. but, but yeah, we're going, we're the three and I said, we, we might go to a four cause we have a few barrels from a Cooperage that opened up when we first started barreling that they sort of send us a few tests barrel sample barrels of course yeah we get a free barrel we're filling it yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know we're starting out distillery but yeah. can't just let it go to waste so um and those were level four and they the stuff coming out of there tastes pretty good so. yeah well, this is this is really good i would agree with you i think it has a little bit more complexity to it yeah. but um yeah i don't know it's i like I just like it. Yeah. I, that's the cool thing about doing these these sessions with guys like you, Sebastian, is that I would never have tasted this and in, in gone to banana bread. Or, or now I, I may have gotten banana, but I certainly would not have gotten ripe banana. And there is definitely a distinct yeah. Yeah, difference. Yeah. And and so when you said ripe banana, it was like my spark went off in my brain. Mm. That happens once yeah. a month. Yeah. Um, but it was like, okay, wow, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. So yeah. this is great. I love this. I do want to point one thing out. We get fresh glasses from Sebastian. We don't seem to do that when we drink. We just keep pouring in the same glass. Yeah. Well, so it really depends on who's doing the dishes later. So. Uh, okay. I like that. Typically, Kurt, typically, Kurt's, Kurt's, Kurt's good at that. Yeah. yeah. Typically, it's Derek or Kurt. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah, was wow. Really good. Now, are you guys? <clears throat> I know you've got your um, protective sticker on the barrel, but are you selling that bottle? Yeah. So currently. The, the two that are available right now, at least for here in our gift shop, are the two single barrels. Okay. Um, Perfect. And then we have another the, <laughs> we have another one that's a blend that we'll taste a little bit later. Um, that one's not available for sale yet, but yep. we've got to sort of manage to find a barrel, a bottle somewhere, so we'll yep. be able to taste it. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So tell me there's more than three bottles of that in the show, in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got plenty of bottles. Okay. okay. <laughs> good, good. Well... It's. I mean, again, as as marketers, we're always looking for a story, mm -hmm. and this place has got a fantastic story. Um, so I appreciate you sharing, um, you know, that connection with this place and what it's all about, and your yeah. process and the tie back to the the region and the, yeah. the North Carolina. So I think we're ready to move it over to to do on the live nation. Yeah. We are for sure. Sorry, squeaky mic, <laughs> squeaky um, wheel. There's one in every group. No, this is and this is great. I mean the the. Just understanding like the life behind it, the lore behind it, um, it's such a unique story. And um, you, you talked a little bit about as you go into libation. This is kind of like the, the business side of it, which is, you know, what is what are some of the, the challenges? How are you marketing? Um, we tend to talk about the mash bill, and you mentioned that's a it's a two ingredient mash bill, and yeah. I don't think in the hundred plus bourbons no, I we've did tasted lots of research, and I could not find them. Yeah, I know he's <laughs> yeah. done more, but I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, uh, so let's let's just start with that. Like, how did you, how did you, why did you stop at two? And like, where did that come from? And uh, it's so unique, and yet it it fits right into a bourbon profile. Yeah. So uh, the, that recipe, 
again, derived from old moonshine recipe, um, which traditionally has always been heavy on corn, unless you get someone making sugar shine, which that's just undrinkable anyways. But um, just a lot, you know, enough corn to get sweetness out in your, you know, your distillate, enough barley just to sort of help with the fermentation and just smoothing out the corn. The thing, one thing was it's like 100% corn mashes. They are really rough. It's so acidic. You can't really okay. drink it. Um, so just taking some out, adding a little bit of barley really helps. So when the company started, it started with that mash bill, original product, which is unaged corn whiskey, 130 proof, Ooh. essentially straight from the still. It's actually still is the, the highest proof selling whiskey in the state of North Carolina, legally at least. Um, and that is still a, it is still a popular product, especially in areas of the state where moonshine has traditionally been, you know, part of their culture. So okay. you think, you know, out in, you know, out West near the mountains, um, that's sort of Northern Eastern part of the state's also pretty big with that. Um, and that, that's what started us. Um, and we won several awards with that and we were just, you know, like this, this is good enough to go into a barrel. If this is good enough on its own. It's going to be good enough to go in a barrel. So we're like, let's not change it. Let's not do anything with it. Let's just stick with this and see what we get out of it. That's well, awesome. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's a, it is a great taste. And I don't think if you if you line them up with some of the other you know mass produced bourbons, I don't think you could say what's missing mm-hmm. in this because the flavor is like there's nothing missing in the flavor. Like the flavor is just it's huge. That's it's I love it. I love it. So I do have one quick question. So the the Sundog One Thirty, so yeah. the corn whiskey, is that is the mash? What is the mash on something like that? Is it the it's same? It's the same. It's the same. Yeah. All our okay. products start out eighty eight percent corn, twelve percent malted barley. Okay. Because that's okay. 130 proof, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mm. and that's about the average that our hearts section on our still runs, which is what goes into a bottle, they average out at about 130 proof. Okay. So, it, it's, like I said, that product is essentially you tasting it from the still, and obviously for our barrels, we proof that down right to about 105, just to, first to stay underneath the legal requirements for a bourbon, and just 105 is the number we picked to go into the barrel. It's just a especially for something that's being released in two years, you get access a lot to those, you know, water soluble compounds in the wood a little bit quicker. So that's interesting. So, Sebastian, do you have a, a, an R and D cell over there in the building, if you will, that, <laughs> that you might just not let anybody know, but you throw a little rye in there? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. Um, just checking. I, at some point I would like to do a rye. Uh, the thing with rye mashes is that it, gun- it just, the rye gunks everything up immediately. Mm. Um, I feel like that'd be a really quick way for me to get rid of some really good employees because they just would not. We we hand everything's done by hand here. I mean, we're yeah, you know, yeah. old fashioned in every way. Yep. Um, so having to stir hot mash full of you know gunk rye Yeesh. would probably you know piss enough someone off enough to <laughs> we never see them again. <laughs> <I'm out. laughs> yeah. Well, how, how big is your team here? Um, so production, it is. Myself and there's three other full time employees in production. Wow! Talk a little bit about the. Uh, we've got a project. We're going to be uh, labelers at some point, right? That's right. <laughs> volunteer That's right. labelers. Yeah. So our uh, our bottling is actually all exclusively done by volunteers. A small group of you know really big fans that they love our product. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, if they do. They might get you know a, a bottle or something at the end of it, but um, but no, there it, it, it <laughs> will work. Yeah. Will work for volunteers. Yeah, it's a small group. Just a you know. Local what are the people. girls doing right now? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. They better, they better be doing some labeling. Let's go. Put them to work. <laughs> um, and yeah, with the bourbon, because our conviction bottle is a square bottle, we actually have to hand label all those because our labeler only does round bottles. 
um, which not something we thought about when we were picking the <laughs> bottle out. Like that looks really cool. The light's going to hit it at the right angle. It's going to look amazing. And then we're like, oh, damn, and like, what are we doing here? Nothing sticks. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned you've got a uh, Sundog aligned. So you've got the Conviction line, mm-hmm. straight bourbon. Yeah, straight and bourbon and a few special releases of that. A few that. special yeah. releases. And then you've got Sundog, which which was a surprise to us when we walked into the mm-hmm. gift shop. Yep. Great little cocktail bar at the end. And I think we tried them all. I'm pretty sure. They were all awesome. <laughs> yeah, they were sure. all very, very kind of the, the, the kind that would sneak up on you. Mm. Uh, so tell us about, about the, the Sundog line. Yeah, so the, like I said, the original product was Sundog 130 proof corn whiskey. Then we have two or actually three flavored versions of that. Um, the first one is a 45 proof pink lemonade. Um, I recommend. Yes, it's a that's a great summer sipper. That you put that into a Moscow Mule instead of just replace the, the vodka, and you probably shouldn't be drinking vodka anyways. But um, just stick to whiskey. Uh, Agreed. <laughs> you know. Uh, so just stick. You know, replace the vodka with a pink lemonade, some ginger beer, lime juice oh. on a hot summer. You know, North Carolina day. It's a good porch sipper there. I, I think that sounds like a porch sipper for today. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, who yeah. needs hot weather? <laughs> and that's if, coming from a guy that'll drink vodka every once in a while. Uh, yeah. True. If only those guys in the hot house could have had that. They're like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Well, I'll stay here a little bit longer. Just keep them coming. <laughs> so right. that's the, the so pink the, lemonade. Yep. The, pink uh, lemonade. Uh, the other one we have is an amp- apple dumpling, similar, 45 proof, flavored apple juice and some caramel. Really sweet. Yeah. Um, that to me is, you know, starting to get to that sort of time of the year where it might drop a couple degrees and we call it fall. Uh, <laughs> like I say, yeah, yeah. Um, but if you mix that with some hot apple cider, some oh. cinnamon sticks. Yeah. Uh, Natalie, actually, my wife, actually, we got a bottle here last time. Yeah. And she came on with a jug of uh, apple cider. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're ready to that's go. That's a good weekend. We, we, need, we need 10 more degrees cooler. And yeah. We're, and we're there. Yeah. yeah. We actually have some. Our sort of fall winter cocktail of choice. We have some hot cider in there, and you can actually mix with the apple dumpling or the conviction. Uh, really good combo. All right. Which, by the way, a quick plug for this place because we talked about how awesome it is. It's, it's right outside Charlotte. Well worth the drive in. Um, the nice place about this versus other uh, distilleries and even craft distilleries is they have a nice bar area in their gift shop. Right. You can like grab a drink and, and sit around. You know, yeah. a, a lot of the places are. Yeah, you can either buy a bottle and leave, or just leave without you know having a having a pour or a mixed drink. Uh, it, this is an awesome place that like today we're going to hang out for a while, I believe. But yes. Yes. this is great. Yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at Sebastian's like, is that okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah he might he might make here. us do some labels. But. <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and then the other flavored sort of sundog we have is a sundog habanero. Um, that one is more of a, we had some bartenders who came up. They're like, they wanted a whiskey-based spicy, uh, you know, something to use for their Bloody Marys. Yeah. Because um, whiskey base mixes better with vinegar-based, you know, sauces. So or like, you know, pickle juice. Okay. Worcestershire, things like that. So they, we sort of worked with a, uh, a couple of bartenders on making that. It's 80 proof, so it's a little bit higher than the, you know, 45. Um, I wake up in the morning. Yeah, not only works, not only just for a Bloody Mary, but if you think a sort of a spicy margarita or something, sure. it definitely yeah. works for that mm. also. Yeah. And you have uh, maple syrup too. Yeah, that's a, a relatively new addition. Um, it's a barrel. We bought some maple syrup in bulk and um, stuck in one of our old barrels. Yep. 
um, aged it there for a couple months. It's got a little bit more kick of it, you know, than your normal maple syrup. <laughs> I like it. Those like are it. the pancakes I Those want. Are good. <laughs> well, the, the Sunday after we, Al and I and uh, Deb and Nat came out on a Saturday. Yeah. The next Sunday I made uh, pancakes or waffles. I forget which, which one. But I poured some of the uh, maple syrup into the batter. Oh, and wow. then I I, oh, I took some conviction and I like sautéed apples and walnuts in conviction, put it over that, and then put the maple syrup on. It was like a triple bourbon breakfast. <laughs> I slept for four hours after. <laughs> I, I want the magic counter to it deliver that really, next time we're there. It was really really good. It was really good. That's awesome. So we're not you know we're we're uh, a little bit of a ride from Charlotte. You know the area is super, super quiet. It's a nice, you know, rural town. What are what are you guys doing for marketing to get the name out there? Like you're in ABCs. Are you just in North Carolina? Are you expanded outside uh, of that? Uh, technically, we have some sort of presence. I believe the number seven states, six or seven states, in okay. some way or your form. Um, we primarily target obviously North Carolina, and South Carolina, just because you know it's in our backyard. Um, easier for us to get, you know, sales representatives out, sort of market, you know, more locally. But we we can drive just anywhere, just about anywhere. Right. I'm gonna cut the other way. I'm gonna go with a blend. I think it's a time where you're blending families. You and Kurt always pulling like this theme. No, it's. I, mean, I just hope the blend of the families works as well as the blend of the. <laughs> hey, it's been indications. That was a really. Good, I mean, that that blend is really, really good. And, it's very you know, good. Yeah. You're about to blend, you know, families, traditions. There's a lot going on here. So, yep. uh, it, obviously, you guys have put the time in. You've picked well. You've picked from good barrels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll leave it at that. I'll yeah, go with I the blend. It's good. Really what are you going to have? What are you toasting? Uh, I got to toast with my own personal pick, the <laughs> distiller's pick. Yeah, a boy. I like that a boy. I fell in love with it as soon as I tasted it, and I, that, I'm sticking to it. There you go. Excellent. That's great. Yeah, very cool. Well, congratulations to you both. Yeah. Uh, wish you guys all the best of luck. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. All well, right, boys, thanks for another great episode. We tasted a lot of great conviction, double yes. oak specifically. We've had the straight conviction before. Uh, we're going to go have more Sundog, I'm sure. If you guys haven't tried that yet, it's really, <laughs> really good. Um, and that wraps up this episode. So if you like this episode, be sure to hit subscribe on our series and uh, the notification button so you'll get updates when we drop another episode. Uh, leave us a rating, give us feedback, and you can make it better for you. And if you want to learn more about today's bourbon uh, visit, visit bourbonon.com where you can also order Bourbon Boys merchandise. Gentlemen, we're at the end of the episode. I really enjoyed spending the time together in the Rick House. Yes. And uh, with our special guest, Sebastian, and sampling some great bourbon. Cool. Absolutely. Bourbon on. Bourbon on, guys. Thank you, Sebastian. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Whiskey prison.